Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Love isn't the foundation. That's where the offense is going to come in. To see a brother or a sister stumbling in an area, man, we are called as mature believers in Christ. Go and encourage that one. Man, lift that one up. But let me tell you this. If, if you're not doing it in love, you're going to be offensive. You're going to be offensive. You've got to come in. We've got to come in with, with great humility and an understanding that, man, you know, I, I'm just as susceptible to that fall. I am just as susceptible. Paul says, man, taking care that you don't fall into that same thing. An incredible mystery of God's wisdom is that he chooses to use flawed human beings to carry out his perfect will in this world. Many times, people make great mistakes with this responsibility. But according to Pastor David, God has given us an ability and power with which to navigate this life. This power is God's love in our hearts, which can manifest itself in peace of our soul and our actions towards others. God's love can bring healing to your own heart and animate how you treat others. Now here's Pastor David with part two of today's message, A Passionate Plea. Paul was so adamant as he continued his, this passionate plea for this reconciliation with God through salvation here in verse 2 of chapter 6. And at least a clarification of the earlier plea, this is a plea Paul makes to the Corinthians. Look what he says here in verse 2, chapter 6. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Now, wait a minute, Paul, you're talking to the church. You're talking to people who profess Christ. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. You're professing, but you're not living. And that's why I'm telling you, today is a day of salvation. You you need to be reconciled to God because it's not apparent in your life. Was Paul then judging? Whoa, who are you to judge me? Yeah, I believe that he probably was. He was looking and saying, man, I, I see your life and there's absolutely no fruit of the things of God in your life. It's a pretty powerful thing. How many were there in Corinth who were close and yet outside the salvation that God offers through Christ. How long had they heard the message of God's grace 
and they loved it. They loved the message of grace, particularly compared to all the, the pagan things that are going, oh, that, that's just so wretched, that's just so gross. No, I love being in the church. It's great, it's nice people, it's, it's comfortable settings, man. We go and we sit, we hear a nice little teaching. Christianity is just absolutely wonderful. There's no change in their lives because they became converted to Christianity and not Christ. You see, there's a lot of religious people who are in churches today that have absolutely no relationship to Christ. And I believe that that's exactly what Paul is worrying about here. They loved the message of the gospel, but yet they refused to surrender their lives to it. They refused to walk fully in that fullness of God's plan. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I don't believe that they became radical antichrists, you know, that within the church they're there to tear down the church. I, I don't believe so at all. They simply believed the message, but, but weren't appropriating the fullness of that hope, that grace that's offered to them through faith in Jesus Christ to all those that receive him. They're, they're there, they're among them, and I don't want to destroy anything. No, I like this. I just don't want it to impact my life. And that's what Paul sees. Paul is telling him, look, you have today, right now, why would you wait any longer? Today is a day of salvation. Get your life right with God. Be reconciled to God. Get saved now. And it never ceases to amaze me, church, how someone can be under the teachings of the Word of God, salvation being explained week after week, and still they don't receive it themselves. It never ceases to amaze me that people can be week after week, they hear the message of hope, and yet they're not really listening. They hear, but they're not listening. And all the wives among us are going, I know exactly what that's like because you know, my conversation with my husband. <laughs> listening, but not hearing. They can clearly see While under the teaching of the Word, they can clearly see the evidence of the truth of God all around them, and yet they still remain dead in their trespasses and sin. How can that be, Pastor? Because we've allowed a hardness of heart to just lay layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. And we can go and we can hear the truth, we can sing the songs, and yet we walk out the door and it doesn't impact us. It doesn't affect us. Paul would tell them, tell us today, just as he did for them, behold, now is the accepted time. Why don't you get your heart right with Christ right now? Behold, now is the day of salvation. Why don't you just, again, in your own, the humility of your heart, understand, I've been playing a game for years and years and years. Or maybe there truly is salvation there, but you've just allowed this callus to be built over your heart to where again, man, you're not on, you're not in love with the Lord. There's not, a, there's not a passion for the things of God within your life. Paul knew that some of his readers had never truly made that full commitment to Christ. 
He knew that the message had been delivered to him clearly, but he also wanted to be certain that it wasn't his ministry or his own personal style that put any kind of a stumbling block before them in receiving that truth and walking in that truth. Paul had seen, he experienced the hard side of the Christian faith, the hard side of ministry, but he also knew that ministry had great rewards. Look what he says in verse three of chapter six. He says, we give no offense in anything that our ministry might not be blamed. He says, man, I've been over backwards to present the gospel to you in a way that I myself am not a stumbling block to you, that I'm not offensive. Now, I'm going to tell you right now that for Paul to say, we give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. Beloved, that is an, a difficult standard to meet. I say that as a pastor. That is a difficult standard to meet, to give no offense in anything. It, it, it would seem like today that, man, people are looking for offenses. You know, they're looking for opportunities to, to again, uh, you know, make, make a point or make a situation. Don't get me wrong. The cross itself is offensive. The cross is offensive. But I'm talking about how man's methodology, how human plans and personality can be offensive to others. I personally have a hard time wondering why anybody could ever be offended with me. I mean, you know, after all, I'm such a nice guy. And I'm humble, too. Did I ever show you my humble trophy that I won? You know. Everybody can be offensive at different times because it depends upon what kind of day I've had. It depends upon what kind of day you've had. And it's amazing to me when Paul says, hey, you know what? Our, our ministry, we work hard, man. We're, we're not an offense. It's not the ministry that's the offense. To be an effective ministry, there, there's times when you need to say the hard things. And people are offended by the hard things. Amen? Yeah, and you, uh, can't tell you how many times we go out of here and people say, man, Pastor, you stepped all over my toes. I said, that's because mine were tired of being stepped on. Sometimes there's issues within a body that need to be dealt with. And I know that there are ways to say the hard things that are not as offensive in presentation to others, but many times people are going to get offended anyway. This doesn't excuse rudeness in ministry. It doesn't excuse a hard-hearted display of attitude. But the fact is, I'm here to tell you, it's hard to be in ministry very long without offending people. And that's why my prayer is, Father, I pray that you would give all of us an understanding heart and also a strong and a bold heart to be able to preach the fullness of God's word, but yet at the same time to speak the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. And I think over all these things, if love isn't the foundation, that's where the offense is going to come in. To see a brother or a sister stumbling in an area, man, we are called as mature believers in Christ. Go and encourage that one. Man, lift that one up. But let me tell you this. If, if you're not doing it in love, you're going to be offensive. You're going to be offensive. You've got to come in. We've got to come in with, with great humility and an understanding that, man, you know, I, I'm just as susceptible 
to that fall. I am just as susceptible. Paul says, man, taking care that you don't fall into that same thing. In the middle of all of this of what Paul is saying, once again, he lays out his resume, portion of his past experience in ministry. Look at, look at with me uh, verses uh, 4 through 10. He says, but in all things, we commend ourselves as ministers of God. Paul says, that's my only comment. I'm, I'm just a minister of God. I'm just a servant of God. In much patience in tribulations, in needs and in distresses, in stripes and in imprisonments, in tumults and labors, in sleeplessness and in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. So he's got all of these things, man. He's got all these imprisonments and these tumults and these battles. But he says, man, I also have knowledge. I have long suffering. I've got the Holy Spirit working in my life. I've got the power of God going. He says in verse 8, we're a minister of God by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold, we live as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. Paul says, man, they're, they're over here, they're saying all of this about me, and man, they're, they're saying all of this about me, but I, I know what the truth is before God. I, I'm just laying myself before him, honor and dishonor, good report, evil report. Interesting thing is, is I've looked and I've looked really closely and even with all the new changes and everything that we've had here recently in, in the last several years, there is no line on the IRS tax forms where you can write off or itemize deductions for a great portion of what it costs to be in the ministry. There's just a whole lot that you go through. It's just there. It's just there. I think Paul knew that, again, many of the hard things, many of the attacks, many of the things that came against him, many of the lies that were thrown at him, they were well balanced by, by all of the blessings and the benefits and the opportunities that he had in, in serving the Lord with, with all of his heart and with all of his life. He says, you, 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 you come at me with chains and stones, but you know what? My peace, my security, my foundation is in Christ. You can lock me away with prison bars of steel, but my life is freer than yours will ever be. Why? Because I'm free in Christ. Paul understood that balance that was there. You had a bad day yesterday? That's okay. Maybe God was just simply preparing you for a bigger battle tomorrow. You understand that too, don't you? You had someone say some untrue things about how horrible you are as a pastor today? Well, that's okay, because even though they were saying things that were untrue about how horrible, tomorrow somebody's going to say a lot of other things untrue about how great you are, okay? So you got to work that as, as a balance on the whole thing. Paul here, very clear. Ministry has difficult and discouraging times, frustrating and heartbreaking times. 
but it always allows for amazing opportunities to see God's hand close up in people's lives. And I think that's what Paul was really zeroing in on. This this is nothing because I get to be a minister of the gospel among you and among the multitudes of others. I think Paul would be, again, very much in agreement that in ministry you find the ability to be used in ways that you know that you yourself are absolutely incapable of doing even on your best day, and yet God uses you in that way. I think Paul would agree that the blessings of seeing someone come into the kingdom out of the response of a message that the Holy Spirit has placed within your wicked heart is absolutely mind-blowing. That, wow, they came to Christ under the preaching of the word. Times of knowing for certain that it's all of Christ and none of him. Why? Because if it wasn't of Christ, you would have bailed out long ago. I believe that Paul understood that with all that he had gone through. I think Paul understood that he would thank God that God didn't allow him to pull up short of his plan, of God's plan. I think Paul, along with many pastors, would agree and thank God that God didn't allow him to continue on in the John Wayne mode. You know what that is kill them all and let God sort them out, okay? (laughs) I'm sure that there were times in Paul's life that he felt that way. I mean, it's not that I ever felt that way, but I'm sure that Paul did, okay? (laughs) Paul's passion for the gospel, his plea to the people of Corinth continued on as he goes on to speak some very open, some very humble. He speaks from a very vulnerable heart. Verse 11, he says, oh, Corinthians, and again, read, read that passion within that as he writes these things. Oh, Corinthians, we've spoken openly to you. Our heart is, is wide open. You're not restricted by us, but you're restricted by your own affections. Now, in return for the same, and I'm speaking to you like your children, you also need to be open. In other words, Paul says, man, don't, don't be deceivers. Have an open heart before one another and before him. There's too many times we come into church week after week after week. Nobody around us has a clue of the battles that we're going through. Nobody knows, man, the horrible things that have gone on over the last month. Oh, we're, we're quick to say, hey, you know what, my bursitis is really kicking in on me. Or, you know, man, I, I'm, I'm dealing with this health issue or that health issue. When's the last time we shared with a brother or sister of Christ here in this fellowship? Pray for me because I'm really struggling in this area of, of greed. I'm really battling over this thing of lust or pornography. I'm, man, I, I, I get so angry at every situation. I, I, I just want to explode and I'm not allowing the Lord to calm me down. Pray for me in that. Pray for me. I I got caught in a lie at work. None of us want to admit these things. But I guarantee you, in a room this big, we've got some of that going on and and, and probably a host more. Come in just as a brother and say, hey, how you doing? Hey, can I, come here for a minute. Would you pray for me in this area of my life? 
That's what Paul is saying. I, I've been open to you. Now, I'm speaking to you just as children, man. You need to be open. Why? Because that's where healing begins. That's where healing begins. And the, and the more closed we are, man, the more the enemy has victory in our lives. Paul now moves into a matter of how the Christian needs to deal with the lost. How deep of a commitment can a, can a believer make with a non-believer without impacting his or her spiritual walk? Look what he says here, some powerful words, verse 14. Don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Beloved, we all need to understand that what he's dealing with here is he's dealing with just about every relationship that we have in this present world. He's dealing with our relationships of marriage. He's dealing with our relationships with business. He's dealing with our relationship even with the friends that we hang out with. How does that work in marriage? Do not be unequally yoked. That's a no-brainer. If I'm a Christian, I shouldn't marry a non-Christian. But you know what? I've counseled enough times. We've counseled enough times people who said, yes, I'm a Christian. They get married. Two years later, he finds out, man, she has no clue what's going on. Or she finds out, man, he lied to me like so, so huge. And then they're, they're there, well, uh, can I get a divorce because he lied or because she lied, because she deceived me? I said, no, he ought to divorce you because you're a fool, okay? You should have checked this stuff out long before that. Don't be unequally yoked means where are you both in your relationship with Christ? Absolutely, a believer should not marry a non-believer. That's absolutely. But don't, fa- don't take at face value someone. And that's one of the reasons, man, why we need to get to know each other. You need to know the heart. You need to see the response and how they respond. But okay, now, now we got a problem because pastor, oh gosh, I married a non-believer. So what do I do now? Well, Paul gives us a clue on that. He says, if they're willing to stay with you, then you stay with them because your testimony to them, if you are living your life truly as a believer to that non-believing spouse, the testimony of your life is to them, hopefully a message of the hope of the gospel, and they might come to Christ because of that very thing. So if you've already messed up and you've married a non-believer, you stay with them to the best of your ability, and you be a testimony of Christ to that non-believer. And there's a lot we could get to on that, but you don't have time tonight. But just that understanding, man, don't be unequally yoked. Why? Because it will wear you out. It'll wear you out. And it'll destroy your walk in Christ. And I think, well, I, I believe in missionary dating, Pastor, and I know, I know he's a non-believer, but I figure if, I'm gonna, if I can date him long enough, man, I'll get him saved, and then, then we'll go on. It does not work that way. I've lived long enough, I've been pastor, I've been in church long enough, and I've counseled enough to know that more times than not, 
It brings you down rather than them up. Don't be unequally yoked, particularly in marriage. Thank you for listening to today's message from The Open Word. We hope that the words Pastor David has shared from the book of 2 Corinthians have touched your life and that you're eager to dive into a deeper relationship with Jesus. We'd like to invite you to join us next time on The Open Word, but you don't have to wait to hear more messages from the Word of God. With details on how you can listen online, here's Pastor David. Hey, thanks, Chris. The Open Word has an archive of previous messages ready to be listened to, downloaded, or shared at theopenword.com. Simply click on the teachings link at the top of the page. You can also take The Open Word with you as you go by subscribing to our podcasts. This can be done through our website or by searching for The Open Word on iTunes. By subscribing, you'll have sound, Bible-based teachings with you anytime, anywhere. Thanks, Pastor David. While you're at theopenword.com, be sure to click on About for more information about the ministry of The Open Word and more about Pastor David. There's also a link to Pastor David's blog, another great resource that looks deeper into what the Bible is teaching us. That website again is theopenword.com. That's all the time we have for here today on The Open Word. Join us next time as Pastor David continues teaching verse by verse through the book of 2 Corinthians. Thanks again for tuning in, and we hope you have a blessed day.